Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... If Jesus is all of those things in our job and in our ministry, that gives dignity to every single thing we do. That gives meaning and purpose to every single thing we do. And so your boss says, hey man, could you empty the trash and take it out to the dumpster? And instead of thinking, you know, that's below me, you think, man, What an honor to serve Jesus. When we are under another's authority, we may find ourselves feeling resentment. This reaction can come from being asked to do things outside our comfort zone, taking the blame for something we didn't do, or not getting the recognition we think we deserve. Pastor Jim asks us today to not see this time in our lives as a burden, but to look for the ways that we can serve our boss, teacher, or even our parent. When we look for ways to serve Jesus, we will inevitably serve everyone around us as well. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of 1 Peter chapter 2 with part 2 of his message entitled, An Attitude God Loves. What's God saying? Dude, I put you there to bless your boss. I put you there to take some work off of his or her plate, not to create more work for them. And then he tells young Timothy, Paul tells him, teach and exhort these things. What did he say? Timothy, you have to tell the people how to connect their faith with their life. So that's what I got to do. You might want to reach on the side of your seat for the seatbelts. I know this is not easy to hear, but many employees think they're fighting their boss. But they are what Gamaliel said in the book of Acts. They find themselves, they're not fighting their boss, they're actually fighting God. Many people think that their job is below them, which is akin to saying that I don't believe in the sovereignty of God. I don't believe that I'm here because God has me here. And their careless disregard for doing the right job the right way is often the reason why their career has no traction. They're not wanting to get the right job done the right way is often why a lot of people in the ministry have no traction. Constantly critiquing, constantly disagreeing instead of figuring out what needs to be done. All the excuses... All the buts, all the thinking you know better, all the unwillingness to learn and execute on what God or your employer asks you to do is sinful, and it's prideful. Now, some of you are saying, you may be here a guest today, and you say, who in the world does this guy think he is? But those who know me better know this is my wheelhouse. I don't have many wheelhouses, but this is it. Not counting the lawn cutting business when I cut every lawn in my neighborhood when I was a teenager. I was the lawn boy. 
Most of my clients over the years that brought in the big dollars to the different business units that I owned were Fortune 500 companies. And I have seen, I have seen people rise through the ranks and I have seen people stalled. I have been in the ministry for the last 12 years. I have seen people rise through the ranks and I have seen people stalled. So particularly you young people, okay, I'm going to save you a lot of time right now. Don't turn me off. I'm going to save you a lot of time. And I'm going to make you a lot of money, some of you. A lot of money. You don't need to pay me a commission. Don't worry about it. But I do like Starbucks. <laughs> so when you get that promotion, a little gift card won't hurt. <laughs> I have seen 25-year-olds come into Fortune 500 companies with no work experience and pass thousands of people in five years. I have seen that happen many, many times. You say, how does it happen? I can say this with confidence. More people succeed by attitude than sheer ability. You've got to be easy to work with. You've got to be dependable. You've got to be someone who follows through. You've got to be someone who can execute on the job or the task at hand. I don't know how many of you know who Seth Godin is. He is the most famous business blogger on the internet. He's written about 15 or 20 books with the most bizarre titles you've ever seen in your life. Yahoo, many years ago when he was a young man, bought one of his companies for $30 million from him. He's a New Yorker. That's why I like him, because he's just blunt and honest. And he said words to the effect of this. You can decide that you want to go up against Amazon. And he said, you can design a better website. You can have better products. You can have a better warehouse. You can have better prices. But if when somebody places an order, nobody goes down to the warehouse, picks the order off the shelf, puts it in a box and ships it, you're going out of business. And a lot of people are full of ideas, nothing wrong with ideas, but we have to remember that most of our employers did not hire us for ideas and critiques and criticisms. They hired us for what? Work, execution, put it in the box, and ship it. Now, what's the motivation? You say, well, what's, what, what's the motivation? Money? Well, you know what? Maybe, maybe for you, I don't, I don't know, but money is often, a by, for a Christian, it's a, it's a byproduct of a job well done. The motivation is in verse 19. He says, for this is commendable. That word literally means grace. He says, for this is grace. In other words, this is something that brings the favor of God's eyes if because of conscience towards God, mindful of God's will, one, that's a clue to us. When you see one in the Bible, that means there's a universal application. If one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. What's he talking about that? That the times, you got to work. you got to do what your boss says. But remember we said, if it's against the word of God, we say no. There will be times when your dishonest boss says to you, I want you to do this, and you have to say, I can't do that. I thought you were a good, loyal employee. You go, I am. 
but I can't do that. And there's going to be times when you're going to get blamed for stuff you didn't do. Any that ever happened to you? I know some of you <laughs> say, I think, Pastor Jim, I think God's calling me to the ministry. I'm like, dude, how are you at getting blamed for stuff you didn't do? They're like, well, you know, I'm like, maybe you should wait. <laughs> that happens all the time. If you're the boss, that happens all the time. The clients are yelling at you for something that the people who work for you did. Now, verse 20 clarifies a big misunderstanding in this. And I don't think that verse 19 happens too often to us where we have to say what my boss is asking me to do is against the word of God. Often it's against our preferences, right? It's against what we feel like doing. So he clarifies it, verse 20, he says, For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, just remember that term beaten for your faults in a little bit, okay, you take it patiently. That term beaten for your faults literally means what credit is it if you're beaten for sinning on the job? What credit is if you're disciplined for sinning on the job if you take it patiently? And we're all supposed to go, none, none. But when you do good and suffer, Kenneth Weath translates it this way, when you're in the habit of doing good and then suffer constantly for it, but when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. This is grace, okay, in God's sight. So here we have the grace sandwich, right? Remember, that's a writing technique that Peter uses. He used it in the Gospel of Mark when he was dictating to Mark. He's using it here. He's a sandwicher, meaning that the, it's commendable as the bread, and in between is the meat, okay? So first we have to really nail down, friends, what he is not saying. What he is not saying. He is not saying... If you do the job wrong constantly and you are reprimanded by your employer, you can't go around saying to everybody, I'm just being persecuted for my faith. You can't say that. You cannot say if you're told that your productivity is low because you are surfing the web doing social media, doing Facebook on work time, you cannot say it's because you're being persecuted for your faith. By the way, what is that when we do that? That's stealing. That's stealing. Your boss did not pay you to Facebook your friends for the weekend plans, did they? If you're not doing the job, if people are covering your work for you constantly, let me help you right now. Some of you, I'll get you promoted by the end of the month. <laughs> if you don't finish something, and your boss, it's the end of the day, and, and that has to be done that day, and it's got to go out, and the customer needs it, and you didn't finish it, and the boss goes to you, man, you told me it would take you an hour, and you've been on there for four hours. Yeah, you know, I just I got busy over here. My friend texted me, and you know, and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and you're like, well, it's got to go out. And, and, you, and, and you go, well, yeah, I didn't get to finish it. And your boss goes to you, would you like me to finish it and run it up to FedEx? And you go, yes. You just got a big F. <laughs> you failed. You're supposed to go, no way, no how. No way, Jose. And your boss's name doesn't have to be Jose, right? You're like, no, that's my job. I'm going to do it. So if you're not doing your job, you're always in trouble for people covering your work. You're constantly being passed over 
for raises or promotions or maybe jobs that you might want, you cannot say you're suffering for Jesus. You can't say it. Now, if you're a boss, uh, and you've said this to me, I, I know you've said this to me, I hear it from bosses a lot, I know lots of bosses, a big complaint you hear is that people come into work, they do what they want, and then they are offended, offended when you say something to them about it. Friends, you have to learn that your employer is hiring you to do a job. You have to bring value to your employer so your employer can bring value to the clients that you have. Now, one of the problems is that people read all of these things and like, well, I hear the people at Google, man, just like sit around and talk and eat sushi all day. Well, okay, fine, but, but look who works at Google. All the Stanford 4.0 people, you know, and they have a system that just generates money whether really anybody does anything or not. So if you work at Google, we'll talk later. But that's not most of us. So we've said this before, and again, it's really important we make the distinction between persecution and being personally offended. We have to really make that distinction. Because a lot of times when we're personally offended, why are we so personally offended? Because there's just what? Maybe just a little bit of truth in what we heard. Now, I'm going to save us all a lot of time this week by just going over something really quickly. I say time because everybody will be emailing and texting and trying to figure all this stuff out. We live in the United States of America. We're very fortunate, right? Okay, if your job is ungodly, if the ministry that you serve in has become ungodly, has strayed from the things of God, do you have to stay? The answer to that question is no. In fact, the Bible may even say you might even have an obligation to leave. 1 Corinthians 7, 21. Were you called while a slave, the Apostle Paul says? Do not be concerned about it. What does that mean? It was not easy to go from being a slave to not being a slave. So he says, if it's there, if you cannot move, if it's absolutely impossible for you to move, take it as God's sovereignty and do your best. And do your best. But then Lee goes on and says this. But if you can be made free, rather use it. What is he saying? If you can be made free from that, then God has other things for you to help you fulfill your obligation. We saw earlier in 1 Peter to grow as a Christian and to be part of building the kingdom of God. Now, I know a lot of people say, well, I can't leave my job or my ministry or my, my whatever because the people there are really depending on me. You are not the Savior. You are not the Savior. I left another church that I loved and people that I loved to come up and do here, right? And I've had a couple people say to me over the years, hey, we miss seeing you, but I've had yet to have anybody write, like, we have no chance of heaven without you, Jim. <laughs> That just hasn't happened. So if we have the opportunity to be made free, we should use it. So here's the key. My gosh, we're still on point one. Hurry up, Jim. Um, we fulfill the obligation to our job as an obligation to Jesus Christ. We remember that ultimately Jesus is the boss. 
we remember that ultimately Jesus is the client. We remember that ultimately we are Jesus' representatives on the job and our co-workers only care about how good our work is before they care about how wonderful our Savior is. But there's something really important about this, really important. Don't miss this. This is a sermon itself. Don't worry, I'm not going to give it. But if Jesus is all of those things in our job and in our ministry, that gives dignity to every single thing we do. That gives meaning and purpose to every single thing we do. And so your boss says, hey man, could you empty the trash and take it out to the dumpster? And instead of thinking, you know, that's below me, you think, man, what an honor to serve Jesus. God says, that's grace to me. That is commendable to me. Peter's saying, man, if we work for the glory of God rather than money, rather than praises of men, sometimes we're just going to have to say, we can't do it. We can't do it. Now you think, well, that's easy for you to say, Pastor Jim. How often do people in the church ask you to do illegal things? Only early January when they asked us to post-date their uh, donation to last year. So don't do that. That's bad. Okay? <laughs> but in my business, it used to happen all the time. It used to happen all the time. I owned a company that not many people do it. We, we packaged dangerous chemicals and put them on airplanes for people. And a lot of people who didn't want to do things the right way would want to skip out of work early and ask us to do the illegal things. And I would have to tell them no. And then I'm going to say, well, I'm going to tell my boss that you screwed it up, not me. I said, well, you do what you've got to do, but I'm not doing it. Because it's wrong. It's just wrong. I don't care how much business you have. It's wrong. It's wrong. I remember one lady one time says, well, just put it on a cargo plane. There's no people. I go, how do they fly it there, man? I, just answer that for me. <laughs> Help me figure that out. Man. You know, make that clear. I don't get it. Because at the end of the day, Christian, you and I answer to Jesus. And remember this. Nobody except you can stop you from working for the glory of God. It doesn't matter how they treat you. They can't stop you from working for the glory of God. And the Lord says it's commendable to put your service and your submission to God first, to be trusting God for the results of your work. All right, that's number one. That is, oh man. Number two is follow a suffering servant. See, what Peter knows is that this is a tough order he just gave everybody. So what does he do? He makes it supernatural. He makes it a gospel issue not just a work issue. Verse 21, he says, for this you were called. Now remember, he told us earlier in the letter that what we were called to, the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. We were called out of darkness into what? Into the marvelous light. Now he's saying to us, it's not just that. It includes patient endurance when you're suffering. It includes expressing your faith with your work. He says, so for this you were called because Christ also suffered for us leaving us an example. Now, very interesting, this word example. How many of you know what a pen is? Pen, pen. This is the way they used to teach the kids to write back then. So the, the teacher would draw the letter, and they would take this very thin piece of paper, put it over the letter, and then give the kid a pen and say, trace it. 
They trace it. Now we just go, I just press the letter on the keyboard. What's the big deal? All right, but, but that's how they would do that. And so that's the term he's using here. He's saying, he's saying okay, th- we have Jesus as an example, okay, but not an example just so we can look at it and go, oh, look, that's what Jesus did. That, that's, that's what he did. No, so we can trace it, so we can copy it, so we can, we can learn from it. He says that you should follow his steps. So he's saying this is, this is what we're going to do What did Jesus say? If anyone would come after me, he's got to do what? Pick up his cross, deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. This is Peter's just explaining that here. Then he reminds us of Isaiah 53, written hundreds of years ago, prophesying about Jesus, verse 22, who committed no sin, never one time, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, did not revile in return. Some versions say retaliate. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed, some of your versions use a better word, I think, entrusted himself to him who judges righteously or who judges justly. What's Peter saying? I love this guy. I love this guy. He's saying for three years, man, I saw this kind of, of righteousness, this kind of righteous living, this kind of righteous suffering every day, every day, and a guy who did everything perfectly, and a guy who never did anything wrong. Now, if you read the Gospels, if you, people say, I don't know where to start in the Bible. Man, you start with the Gospels, become a friend of Jesus, man. But you read the Gospels, you don't get the impression that life was always easy for Jesus. I mean, even as a kid. Just imagine, he comes by like, oh yeah, it's the kid. His mother's a virgin, the miracle baby. I mean, just from the earliest ages. People just making fun of him. People not believing in him. People being cruel to him. Yet, he continually gave every part of his life to his heavenly father. Now, now, Bible students, this is what we call Christ's active obedience. That's the theological term for it. That he was actively involved in obeying what his father had for him. We call his death on the cross his passive obedience because the world crucified him. But he's active. So here Peter's telling us we can follow, we can participate in Christ's Active obedience, because notice everything he outlined is here. It's all what? It's in your head, in your heart, and from your mouth. That's all he's talked about here. He hasn't talked about, he hasn't talked about, about his dying or anything like that. He's just saying, listen, when he suffered, he didn't yell at everybody. He didn't revile. But what did he do? He committed himself. He entrusted himself when things were hard. He entrusted himself to his heavenly Father. In the face of opposition, in the face of the lies, in the face of the abuse, in the face of the insults, instead of panic, instead of anger, instead of lashing out, what did he do? He demonstrated trust. He demonstrated for us how to, how to give things to our heavenly Father. Now you say, Pastor Jim, you don't understand. You don't understand my life. You're 100%. I don't understand your life. I know you're right. But Jesus understands. Hebrews 12.3 says, For consider him, Jesus, who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. What is he saying? When you're suffering for doing good, go to the cross. 
and look at Jesus. And notice the way he trusts his father. Notice the way he entrusts himself. Don't do what seems like the right thing to do. Don't do what your goofy friends are counseling you to do. Entrust yourself to your heavenly father. Thank you for listening to Changed by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire here at Changed by Love is simply to bring you the life-changing message of Jesus Christ by teaching you the Bible in a simple, easy-to-follow way. With that being said, we try to put our messages into as many people's hands as possible for a very low cost and often free of charge to anyone who contacts us. Did you know that all of our messages can be found for free on our website, changedbyloveradio.com? That's changedbyloveradio.com. Please check out our website and hit the Contact Us button to tell us something about yourself or to request a CD copy of a message. Here at Changed by Love, we depend on the grace of God as well as the generosity and prayers of our loyal listeners. So thank you to all of you who are prayerfully and financially supporting our program. We would love to hear from you and pray you drop us a card or a letter to Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey. And don't forget to contact our friends at this radio station and tell them you are being blessed by Changed by Love. It would be a great encouragement to them. Thank you for joining us today, and we pray that you'll make plans to join us again next time, right here on this station, for more practical Bible teaching from the book of 1 Peter with Pastor Jim Kevney, passionately proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to a world that needs to hear.